0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi
1: there, this is the legendary Tom DeFalco, and you are listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is Fantastic Four, episode 22A, covering a period of Fantastic Four in 1992. I am your host,
0: Curtis Findlay. And I am your co-host, Eric Findlay. Tell us, Eric, what issues are we covering today? We are covering issues 362 to 370, plus a side story from The Adventures of the Thing number three. This
1: is continuing on our conversation of the Tom DeFalco, Paul Ryan run from the 90s that started in the previous volume and in our previous episode. Uh, This is the 90s. We are fully into the 90s of Marvel. This is an interesting period for Marvel because they are currently behind the scenes battling some financial issues yeah this is when they filed for chapter 11 and things right that's going to come up soon not quite we're not quite at that point yet but the troubles are starting and and that definitely affects a lot of the decisions that are being made behind the scenes in terms of you know which characters they're trying to focus on you know costume redesigns as not in this episode but in the next episode and, and uh, yeah, it's just interesting to think about that as you're reading through this because you sometimes you're like, well, why are the Fantastic Four fighting Wolverine, Hulk, and <laughs> Ghost Rider and Spider-Man? Well, it's because they're trying to boost some sales. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we saw that in the last Epic Collection, that group of new Fantastic Four, and they're going to come back in this volume as well. But, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, but as far as this one's concerned, we have two story arcs. Uh, In the first half of this epic collection, which is called This Flame, This Fury, Uh, we're going to be talking about a story starring a villain called Oculus, and then we're going to tackle all of the Infinity War tie-in issues, which... uh, I was actually I'm quite surprised at how much of a cohesive story it is considering it's just all tie-in issues.
0: <laughs> yeah, the weird thing about Infinity War or the good thing about Infinity War, I think, is that it did a really good job of allowing crossover into the individual titles as tie-ins right. but yep. not requiring them. And so because of that, it allowed the stories to continue on with, you know, their own stories. Uh, for the most part, uh, with just this like little interruption where they're being attacked kind of thing. The
1: Fantastic Four is kind of the one exception to that in Infinity War because it was fully involved in the whole story all the way through but
0: but you can read the infinity war and like like you can even look when you look in the infinity war issues a lot of the stuff that you need to know is actually taken from uh these stories and then recreated in those books so you don't need to read these but i would highly recommend it in infinity war if i remember correctly fantastic four silver Surfer, doctor strange are like the big three that are like really closely tied in yeah and i think it, it i think it happens more the other way around if you read these fantastic four issues Issues, you kind of need to read Infinity War to really understand what's going on. But if you read in just Infinity War, you don't need to read Fantastic Four.
1: like to make the argument that you can actually read Fantastic Four and get the full story of Infinity War.
0: I don't think you actually... Mostly. Need- yeah i mean the, there, yeah. there are a few things because like, it does jump around in between issues and stuff but it actually does a really good job of being a summary of it i
1: think thanos makes one remark in the very end it's like oh so we don't know who wins magus or adam warlock <laughs> yeah. and and that's true unless you read the infinity war issue you yeah. don't really know but and the, so and the whole story is told from the fantastic four's perspective which i right. think is kind of cool too yeah so you don't you
0: don't know why galactus shows up you don't know why you know adam warlock shows up when he does and why he does but
1: but you don't really need to no that's right I, and i like
0: that i like that a lot
1: and it's different than like let's say daredevil gets one infinity war tie-in story where his right. doppelganger just kind of shows up out of nowhere and he and callisto kind of beat it up and and uh, and that's it right or calypso 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 yeah he and calypso uh just kind of beat it up and, and that's about it and or like um what's what's another one um a uh, dark hawk I think Darkhawk actually... Darkhawk had two, I think. Darkhawk had a couple because he was one of the people that was assimilated, so he had kind of a wrap-up. But but yeah, I mean, there are ones where you literally don't need to read them at all because they don't affect anything. Sleepwalker. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. He had one. But yeah. but Fantastic Four has five issues, so you can see how heavily tied into the story these characters are. And so it's kind of, it's going to be fun to go through these ones and talk about that.
0: And that's actually kind of refreshing as a Fantastic Four fan because in Infinity Gauntlet, all four of them were disappeared by uh, Thanos oh yeah and so you don't see them at all oh man same yeah. with the X-Men yeah except yeah. for Wolverine
1: <laughs> X-Men don't have any tie-ins for this one either um,
0: yeah Wolverine the, the X-Men tie-in is a Fantastic Four tie-in <laughs> yeah that's it it is yeah. uh, in fact what was the other
1: one I was looking at the Wolverine doppelganger shows up in Captain America's Infinity War tie-in Um, Captain America at the beginning of that issue he's still a werewolf <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Then he, then he gets rid of that and is instantly because it's like he, he appears heavily in Infinity War. Right. But it's like, we don't want him to be a werewolf in Infinity War. So, uh, hey, Grunewald, can you wrap up that story <laughs> so we can have him in Infinity War? Uh, that was an interesting time for Captain America.
0: I actually yeah. like the design of Captain America, wolf, werewolf yeah. uh, a lot, but uh, it's weird. Okay.
1: Yeah. So let's, uh, that's a topic for a different podcast yeah. episode. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so if if people don't know anything about Fantastic Four, what do they need to know in order to
0: get into this volume here, Epic Collection 22, This Flame, This Fury? So for the first half, there are a couple of things that we need to talk about. Uh, One is that in the previous volume, Alicia, Alicia Masters, the wife of the Human Torch, was discovered to be actually a Skrull. What? Posing as Alicia Masters. This whole time? This whole time. Well, actually, yeah, uh, ever since uh, Secret War, the first one. And they go off to the Skrull homeworld to rescue her. And the Skrull, named Lijah realizes that she actually does love Johnny and valiantly sacrifices herself to save Johnny from being blasted by Paybock the power Skrull. Right. Yes. She is very much assumed dead and then they leave and the whole complex explodes and then Alicia's back. Yeah, Alicia's back and
1: is, of course, in love with Ben. So that's going to be the soap opera drama that we're going to see kind of behind the scenes because it does definitely take a yep. back seat to the Infinity War story.
0: Yeah, so for anybody concerned, it's not like soap opera stuff like it was with Sharon Ventura and Alicia in a couple you know, a couple volumes ago. Right, yeah. Yeah. Although speaking of Sharon Ventura... Oh, she does <laughs> pop up. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's a good point. Uh, Sharon Ventura was a wrestler with a Thing uh, back in the good old days and she was a victim of a villain named The Power Broker who drugged her up and uh, took advantage of her and gave her superpowers but also just wrecked her life um she eventually became the she thing after being exposed to cosmic rays she then made a deal with dr doom in order to be turned back and we haven't seen her since we haven't seen her since we didn't
1: even know if that was gonna work no she was the she thing when we let that was in fantastic four number 350 yeah she was the she thing when we left her and
0: she started like it's the, sort of the big deal like she goes off with doom and yeah also, Susan Richards in Fantastic Four 280 was um, affected by Psycho Man's Hatemonger, which caused her dark side to emerge, which actually sort of became this alternate personality for Sue uh, known as Malice. And there have been a few times between then and now where this um, dark personality sort of has has come to the surface, though I don't think she has actually realized that until this point. Right. The last thing to mention, because this is an Infinity War tie-in, is that at the end of the Infinity gauntlet series adam warlock has worn the infinity gauntlet and during this time he subconsciously purges all good and evil from himself in order for him to be like completely neutral in how he wields the gauntlet and the evil side becomes an entity known as the magus who is behind the whole infinity war the good side becomes the goddess whom we will see in the future in infinity crusade right The Magus has teamed up with uh, Thanos to take over the universe by um, using a transforming alien race, which are called Shades, to create evil doppelgangers who will replace the heroes uh, who have foiled them in the past. And that is sort of where we come in.
1: That doesn't sound like the movie I watched. Right? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I guess the only thing I would add there is that Johnny Storm is reevaluating his life because right. his marriage imploded and uh, and he, you know, obviously hurt and has some PTSD, I think, revolving oh, totally. around this whole marriage that was completely a sham. So he will see how he
0: reacts to that. Yeah, I was going to mention that as we start talking about the issues, yep. but yeah. I really like this collection, yep. um, not only because this is sort of the era that I grew up with, but because from the first issue in this, it really sets the stage for the entire next season of Fantastic Four. Mm, of I was going to
1: make the same comment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it and, does. and and so it was, a really, it
0: was a really good place to break that. I don't know if they did that intentionally or if it just worked out that way, probably intentionally. But um, yeah, you know, all the plot points that are going to be key to this new era of Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four, in their relationships and in their characters, are rooted right here from the first issue.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll point out a few of those specifics uh, when we get to talking about the issue, because that's a great point, and I was going to say the exact same thing once we got into this first story. But before we get into the first story, let's hand it over to our listeners to see what they have to say. I asked for some comments on this particular epic collection over on social media. And I had to preface it by saying, in particular, looking for comments on something other than bomber jackets big guns and sue's
0: costume because that's the cover to this collection and it gets a lot of flack it's a very well-known cover yeah it's lacking the shininess of the original cover yeah but that's okay it's a very well-known cover um and controversial because it's so against of uh, what's what fantastic four are known for but yeah there are reasons and it's sort of unfortunate that this has become like you know the 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 poster for this <laughs> this time because it's so demonstrative of the time as you were saying of what was going on in March. Marvel, but also based on the character development. But like, like like, like I said, there there are reasons for this. There's development to get to this point.
1: Well, I'm glad that there was reasons, but you can also. you know, you know, cynically look at this and say, okay, well, they are obviously, they obviously are going for the image crowd. Right. Because this is 1992. X-Force just came before this just recently. And so, yeah, if you want to sell some issues, why don't we put our leading female in a more skimpy costume and have her holding a huge gun? I'm surprised they didn't get Rob Liefeld right <laughs> well he, he was already gone by that this point for for image but um but yeah i mean you look at this cover and the the bomber jackets is another one they always talk about cuz avengers were all wearing bomber yes, jackets at the same time all of and, them. and thing has this this helmet on which again has there's a reason for it but you know it makes him look A little bit more like an image type of a character and stuff. But what people fail fail to realize is that the jackets and these guns are only in that one one issue. issue. And again, there are reasons for it. Yeah. And even (laughs) Sue's costume only sticks around for, you know, not even a dozen issues. Yeah, she
0: goes through several costume changes in the next few uh, years. And again, it's rooted here. It's based in the whole malice thing. Yeah. And we'll get to that. So anyway, though, I didn't want all of the
1: comments from the listeners to be about Sue's costume. Because otherwise they would be. Exactly. They would absolutely would be. So, but I got some good comments here. So thank you everybody for thinking through this and, and giving us some quality content here. Sean says, I enjoyed the expanse of the DeFalco Ryan run. It was obvious to me that, that uh, at the time they were taking their guidance from the Lee, Kirby, and Byrne runs. The Inner storyline is just a modern updating of that style. Read, does science leads to adventure? Yeah, <laughs> yep. The Infinity War crossovers are fine, but I just felt that triangle was on the
0: corner to drive sales. I, right, that's absolutely true. Well, I, anytime they put that cor- right. triangle on the corner. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 for those who don't know, in this period when they had a crossover into the major storylines, they would put the title of the of the um, the story arc in the top corner. Yep. Um. And so, like, when when you had Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity Crusade, some of the the other ones. I don't remember exactly which ones, but some... Um, like Inferno had it. Inferno and... had it, yeah. Um, some of the older ones like Executioner's Song and Blood Ties had a banner across the top. Yeah, but they always put that on they do there that. because, of course, you want to let people know that uh, you should buy this issue. In, in more recent times, like um, Civil War, their tie-ins, like half the cover was just like a solid block of color with the text Civil Warden and the subtitle on there. So, so you know, they, they still do it in some ways and they're making it more obvious now. Okay, Sean continues and
1: says the one aspect i really enjoyed upon reread was the money issues that the ff have due to johnny's actions and that's a story that we'll talk about in the next episode Uh, it is hinted upon in the past how they are financed but reed and sue arguing about finances instead of franklin's power made them feel more realistic a broke fantastic
0: four is an interesting story has johnny actually ever worked a job up till this point no in some of the future issues like you know post heroes are born and everything yes but uh he he does actually get they force him to get jobs but you know i've always said that fantastic four is not about like big action like the avengers it's about family and it's about exploration and things and so uh this period really focuses on the family and relationship aspect and these relationships are put to the test they are stressed
1: Paul has a comment. He says, like with Thor before, DeFalco has a knack of finding the essence of a character, paying homage to great eras of the past. He tells entertaining stories, but lacks the originality to twist things in a new way. Uh, Loved Paul Ryan's art on DP7. That's a new universe title. Mm -hmm. And I can see him channeling Byrne. He has the unfortunate habit of following more distinctive artists. John Romita Jr. on Iron Man, Simonson on Fantastic Four, but he still is a good craftsman and a fine storyteller here. So, not an era-defining classic, but an easy introduction, a fun adventure, and perhaps following Simonson's two wonderful runs was an impossible task. But it's great, but it won't change your life.
0: (laughs) I don't know, it changed my life.
1: Well, I, I, part of that's because that was I came a very formative yes. time for you. Yeah. So that's, yeah, you know, looking through it through, those, so am I looking yeah. through, through all those glasses, but I do um, honestly think that it's a good run. Yeah,
0: no, totally. And and I, I agree, you know, um, I hear a lot of people sort of have complaints about uh, the way Tom DeFalca writes things, but I, I agree that, you know, he, he gets the characters yep. and Paul Ryan is great. And I think I said in a previous episode, uh, very underrated, um, yep. but uh, yeah, I, I really love his work.
1: Shane says, I read this run as a kid, and honestly, it's still one of my favorite eras of Fantastic Four, despite being an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Johnny going Nova during the attack at ESU campus. And becoming a fugitive really forced the character to grow. And who doesn't love the new Fantastic Four making another appearance to bring him in? Very fun. I always love that. Yep.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing that bugs me about Fantastic Four in the larger scale is how is how writers often push Johnny to grow and be better and everything, and then the next writer just tosses him back to the impulsive hothead And it's like, oh, but like there was such good growth, and he was getting to be such a great character. Yeah. And even that happens with like all sorts of different with different characters and titles but yeah and this is the problem with 75 years
1: of continuity yeah is that once you grow them as a character where do they go from there like that's why (laughs) well yeah i mean that's I I, i think that that's part of the reason behind one more day yeah and that that really controversial decision to reverse peter parker and take him back take him a few steps back because where do you go with a character that's already been developed for for 30 40 years yeah you
0: you, you turn him into a uh, spider totem <laughs> <laughs>
1: either he gets really boring because yeah. he's flat because like he's Superman. he's become a shaman type of a character or whatever yeah. because that's kind of where you go yeah. you just build and build and build until you're the teacher and then and then you know there's nowhere for you to progress or you take him in such a controversial decision that he's no longer the Spider Man that you know yeah. or whatever. Or you have to take him back. Or you have to take him back. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. that's kind of what it is. It's the whole Simpsons oh, kind yeah. of you reboot the characters by the end of the episode. They kind yeah. of need to be back where they were before so that the next episode you can kind of start that progression all over again.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and I, I understand that totally. It's yeah. uh, it's just kind of unfortunate because, you know, he started off as a teenager Yeah, and now he's clearly like in his thirties or whatever. Yep. And he's still a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he, and he got married and
1: whatever. And yeah, and, and th- yeah and that's the problem. It's yeah. Like, I just, I, I-, I want to see, I want to see good things for him. <laughs> <laughs> But does that betray the essence of his character, I guess? I mean, good things can happen yeah. to him, but to be to grow from that and not be a hothead anymore, that's not Johnny. He kind of well, has to stay that way, doesn't
0: he? Yeah, but I mean, you look at Wolverine, and Wolverine is way more of a softie than he was when he started out. Yeah, and, and is and that a, that and and is that a, a problem? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I think
1: one of the things you can see is like, so Cyclops, for instance, yeah. there's a there's a guy who grew and grew and grew to the point where he's boring, and then they had to make him turn him into a controversial character. Yeah, and then
0: he got really, uh, really controversial and, and um, you know, borderline evil. And and then, and then you know what and they, then did? they killed him. No, so yeah, they could reset him.
1: Re- they, they reset him. They brought him back as a teenager. That's right. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, over on Instagram, thumbs up 1981 says, "I have a fond nostalgia for this era, as it was the era I grew up reading." 1981 that's the same year as me yeah so i can understand that one thing that aggravated me at the time was everyone's reaction to image i feel the counter to that in this volume is paul ryan's amazing artwork for me fantastic four felt like the most consistent book back then due to his art he is severely underrated severely underrated yes Uh, And gone too soon. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. I would have to agree. I have often called Paul Ryan sort of the, um, he's like a bridge between classic and modern. Mm -hmm. He kind of treads on on, in both lanes. He doesn't get too edgy, but he's also not so retro that it's
0: like. Yeah, he definitely has retro influences, but he's he's definitely a modern artist at the time.
1: Yeah. Okay, Old Man Silver Surfer says, let's be honest, this material slash phase is pretty bad. One of Marvel's responses to images fever, lots of empty headed action and art. The art is questionable. I really think that he's basing his entire opinion on this cover. I think so. Because I really don't think that the art is questionable. The design of Sue's costume may be questionable. But the
0: art is fantastic. And if you look at even just the first half of this, uh, we don't see any of that stuff yet. Right um and the stories are great stories are great you gotta read them yeah
1: gotta read these stories okay lucas says my first issue of fantastic forever is here the one where sue shows up with her new costume <laughs> uh i like this era a lot the art is so good so you know it's subjective though be, right some people hate it some people love it and, and that's and, fine
0: you know i've i've been having this conversation online in other places um you cannot like it and it can still be good art yep it can be well done you may not like the content of it but it can still be good art and there can be bad
1: art that people absolutely love for as well. whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on Twitter, uh, Ryan says Marvel wanted every book to be as popular as the X Men. There was a reason for that because they were it was because X Men was so popular with and the Jim were, Lee stuff, and they, and they, were, they were looking running for money. Out of money. Uh, okay, and so he says DeFalco and Ryan tried to put as many X-Men tropes into the Fantastic Four as possible. And X-Men. Not just the fashion, <laughs> yeah, uh, but the absentee leader, the time-traveling baby, all grown-up warrior, and the psionically possessed edgy woman, etc. I never made that connection before, but I, that's right. Yep, yeah, very true. And it's not just the, those themes, but there's also things like they brought in a colorist. And I'll, I'm going to point out the colorist here who is a protege of the person who was coloring the X Men at the time and it gives the coloring a very X Men look. And so I'll I'll point that out. It's very interesting. And then yeah, one of the covers in this collection has the doppelganger X Men fighting Johnny. Johnny. Like we, we pointed right. that out already. Yeah. So for sure. Oh and Wolverine. Makes Wolverine an appearance later really, in yeah. the
0: volume. A couple of them.
1: Matthew says, unsure what this says about me at the time the issues came out, but I started getting Fantastic Four at 374 and 375. Yes, my childish mind liked Sue's uniform. (laughs) I've repented since. Mainly, I love the new Fantastic Four versus the originals. I felt bad for Ben and was enamored with characters like Lijah. Exactly. Yep. Yes yeah thank you everybody for your comments i appreciate that you can find us on social media and uh you know i ask for comments every so often when i have a new episode to to discuss so be sure to keep an eye out for those posts uh just search for epic marvel podcast and you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter and even youtube Okay, it's time to move on to our issues. We are going to start with Fantastic Four number 362. This issue is called Here Comes Wild Blood.
0: Here Comes the Wild Blood. Here
1: Comes the Wild Blood. And in this issue, Reed is trying to do science. Uh, it's actually kind of an interesting thing that he's trying to do. Now, he he is reaching into the space between
0: atoms. Right. So, you know, your high school chemistry and physics here, like... Everything's made up of Everything's made up, made up of molecules. And those molecules have a lot of empty space in them because you've got the nucleus and then, quote, far out, r- relatively speaking, from <laughs> there are the electrons floating around. Yeah. And the electrons create this repulsive field, magnetic field, between other electrons and And therefore, they don't touch each other. Nope. So so what is in between? So what is in between? (laughs) And the interesting thing is, this is where it was thought or originally mentioned that the microverse was like, hey, if we can just get so small that we go down to atoms, there's lots of space in between all these atoms. Yeah. But by this point, that has been changed where when you condense so much, then you actually like fall through to another dimension or something like that.
1: Yeah, that happened to the Hulk in the 80s. He shrunk so much that he passed through a, a bunch of different dimensions as he was
0: falling, as he was shrinking. Yeah, and so that became the new definition for the for the microverse. And then this now this new universe in between the molecules is called the iniverse. Iniverse, yeah. So Reed has is exploring the inverse. He sends his his hand
1: in, and then he accidentally pulls through an alien being who mistakes them, the Fantastic Four, for working for the tyrannical leader that's kind of ruling the planet. Uh, And so he tries to fight them. Uh, And then there's a side story where Human Torch and Spidey uh, reconnect over a jovial fight through New York. Now, this opening, the very first page, this is pure Jack Kirby right here. A splash page of Reed in some sort of weird contraption doing random science. And he's stretching across the room. Yeah. And we've got Kirby dots. It's it's really really great and it's like we were talking about how or one of the, one of the comments was talking about how they're channeling Lee and Kirby and like yep this this right off the bat such a great great opening here yeah and it serves a purpose and it sets the stage but it also defines Reed and Sue's relationship at this point. Uh, which is going to be very important because it goes through a transformation in, on both of their parts yeah. over the next several issues.
0: Yeah, so this was the, my first realization that this ish, that this volume sets up um, the next stage of life for them. Yeah. And it's that she comes in and says, hey, how's it going? And he goes, oh, is breakfast ready? And she's like, yeah, I paid you like an hour ago. And it shows that he's so consumed in his work that he's not paying attention to anything else. He's very distant um, emotionally from everybody. And that leads to a lot of conflict later on, yeah.
1: And in in stark contrast, like just remember how Sue is like he, she's calm. She is
0: you know trying to relate to him. And stuff. She but, she's the center of the family and she has been for a long time. Yeah, and so um, yeah, the, yeah. The, like the moral compass of the family and and just the the, the the peacemaker. And then a few more pages in, we get a good recap when they're reading the
1: newspaper, and it kind of tells us you know the, everything that's going on with Johnny and Alicia. Just for the sake of us, the reader, especially, and it's perfect. Like you said, this is the beginning of this this story arc. It's the beginning of this volume, so it's great to have that kind of explanation right off the bat.
0: And it also it also covers stuff that doesn't need to be in here. I mean, they could have had you know issues upon issues where there's this long drawn out divorce or whatever, but they don't. They're just like, hey, they got a divorce. Yeah, they did it quietly, and they didn't want to be in the tabloids and stuff. But and and it's very clear that you know she would like to get back together
1: with Ben. Yep. But it also tells us that Johnny is enrolling at uh, Empire State University, yeah. where Peter Parker also is taking some classes at this point. So this is an important thing that sets up pretty much the next, like, I don't know, 30 issues. Yeah, or something I was like going to say like 20 <laughs> issues. So yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a change to his character because, uh, like you say, he's he's changing. They're evolving him as a character here he is definitely reevaluating his life and one thing he wants to do is go to school get an education and uh... but
0: we're never told what kind of classes he's taking <laughs> mm. woodworking that's yeah. right <laughs> probably just auto, uh, shop classes or something he's going to be a firefighter <laughs> oh yeah. yeah but let's also talk about this page that we're on here yeah one of my first comics was this little like five inch uh mini comic that had the main story from amazing spider-man number one and it had like a backup story which i now know is uh from uh spider-man amazing spider-man number eight yeah and as soon as i read this page here and i see this first uh the third panel on on uh page 11 in the volume um with the the webbed bat i knew exactly what this was referencing (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so that little mini comic is
1: actually a a trick-or-treat giveaway oh that's where we got it you could buy a um, a pack of a bunch of little mini Marvel comics that you can give away on Halloween. Yeah, we had and that We had the fanta- that one and the X-Men one. Yep, there was an X- X-Men one with a Blast Star issue from, I think it's at the Steranko run or something. And uh, there was also an ALF. One with a couple of Alf right uh, stories, but uh, yeah, you're right. I I thought the same thing because of course being brothers, we shared that that <laughs> comic. But yeah, the, when he swats away the bat and its webs, it's it's a distinct a distinct image from that story that was uh, drawn by uh, Steve Ditko.
0: And I thought it was just that, but then I start reading this like this whole next chase scene, yeah, and I realize there are so many parallels and references to that.
1: Yep. Yeah, if you pull up the actual issue uh, and you look at it, in, um, it's in the f- very first Spider Man epic collection on page 197 it starts even from johnny arriving in his car with a group of people around him and yeah. spider-man and crawling on the wall and he's trying to impress women so that's that's played out in this yeah. is- issue of fantastic four as well the bat the swatting at the bat he even says i'll just swat at it with and it says hey it came apart just like a mass of some kind of threads which is what johnny says in this issue as well and then even when he's tangled up in the webs and Spider-Man's kind of leaning Lean on against something wall, with yeah. his arms crossed, that happens in this Fantastic Four issue as well. It's like they, they did a really, really good job of paying tribute to that classic, classic scene, which was the first meeting between those two characters. Right. So, oh, sorry, not the first meeting between those two characters because that was actually right. in Fantastic Four it number one. Or right? the first, Spider-Man number one. The, it was the first meeting of these two characters that kind of defined their relationship together. Right.
0: And uh, Paul Ryan did a really good job of... Of mimicking that, but not just like outright copying. Yeah. This is these are very different scenes, but there's very clear reference. Like all the parallels, um, yeah. Spider-Man swings into an alley, he webs up a uh garbage bag and swings it in a big arc to explode around um around Johnny. And in the Amazing Spider-Man number eight, he does the same thing on the beach, except he scoops up large volumes of sand and swings them around in a big arc to yeah. explode all over Johnny. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a great scene. And it's nice to to be able to start with this kind of levity as well because we're going to go into another dimension soon and it's just great that uh, that we can get some good character
0: moments with Johnny before the attention is taken off of him. But it's good contrast as well because you, you say levity but at the same time um, this is the angriest we have ever seen Johnny. Like he's always been a hothead, right? Yeah. Um, Quick to act, quick to sort of um, make judgments or snap at people. Yeah. But this is like full on anger. Right. And you can tell that he's going through some stuff which we know from previous volume and from the 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 uh, newspaper article about the divorce but again this sets the stage for what happens with him in the next several issues is that you know he's processing all of this and it's making him a really angry person yeah so what do you think about this character the wild blood uh, he's weird <laughs> <laughs> not a lot is said about him in this first issue yeah and so it's kind of confusing we know that he's from this other planet there's something to do with gems he mentions a gem guild and some guy in charge and He's um, very
1: interested in in franklin
0: yes and he's very interested in franklin for some reason he seems like the bad guy because yeah. of the first experience we have is he has stolen a gem from like the big shiny palace yeah that talks shows our you know our uh, internal biases and stuff <laughs> yes yeah, but, um, you know, and then he attacks our heroes. So clearly he's the bad guy. And his design makes him look like that too. He's got
1: like a Mongolian kind of a look to him. Yeah. Like, like a stereotypical Mongolian look yeah. with the big eyebrows and the big mustache and whatever. They color his skin darker as well.
0: Yeah. he You know, wearing very ratty clothes like loincloths and
1: stuff. Yeah. So they they put in a lot of those kind of visual cues to make us think that this guy is, is the bad guy. But, and I, you know... Honestly, I remember because I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big fan of Paul Ryan's run. Mm-hmm. This four-part Oculus story didn't didn't register with me. I like I didn't remember any of this when i was like trying to, trying to when i look at this volume and i look at like the infinity war stuff yeah i remember that i remember the the SF, the esu situation i remember the new fantastic four coming back but this story just did not stand out at all
0: i very clearly remember the covers for the last two parts of this story and I remember bits and pieces of the story, but that's about it. I forgot completely that Sharon was in here. I forgot completely about like the whole resistance bit. Yeah, well,
1: and I think there's I think there's reasons for that, and we'll get to that once we get further into the story because right. I do
0: have some some reasons why I think it's not that memorable. Yeah. Do
1: you have anything else you want to say about this issue?
0: No. However, at the very end of this issue, uh, they insert a uh, parody ad. Oh yeah. From Marvel 1991 won the year in review it is for a product called pang away to remove hunger, hunger pangs, pangs. <laughs> um and i guess the idea is it's a diet pill or something like that yeah and so they and obviously yeah they obviously use galactus yeah and galactus was threatening to blow up our planet so we had to make this for him um there are several of these fake ads throughout the uh throughout this volume and it's kind of interesting
1: yeah they don't put them at the back because they need to some they often need to use them as spacers to so get that the double page the double page spreads yeah. Will land on the right pages, which
0: is smart. That's a good way to do it because there are other volumes where they don't, yeah, and then you've like got solid this solid black page, a solid black page, or they just mess up and they put one half on one side of the page and the other half on the other side of the page. I like, don't. Yeah. I'm pretty well, sure they don't actually. No, not with the epic with collections. The I mean, yeah. like just other. You know. Yeah. In the past, I've seen that. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty it's not bad. Good. It's, it's very yeah. <laughs> All right, so, if we move over to the next issue, this is 363. The title is Innerverse, which is interesting because that's not what it's called. It's called the Iniverse, Inniverse, I N N I V E R S E. I wonder if that was just a mistake. Yeah. Like the editors
1: didn't catch it or something. Yeah,
0: probably. So, in this, we have the first appearance of a guy named Oculus the Unforgiving. He is the tyrant dictator over this Inniverse um, land. He and his people have captured sue and franklin because there's something special about franklin do we, we don't find out what that is in this issue though right they make reference to the gift and franklin clearly has it in in a way that nobody ever has um and uh it's not really mentioned until we get um oculus's backstory in a couple of issues but the gift is the ability to use the power of the gems which circle the planet right yeah, it's very interesting. Franklin is
1: used as, you know, this MacGuffin so many times. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's hinted so many times that he's just got this enormous amount of power. I mean, he's the reason behind Heroes Reborn and stuff. Yeah. And we'll see that coming up soon. Very soon. Yeah. But but uh, yeah, what exactly is it? And this, this story actually has pretty big implications for his character. Yeah. Even though it's,
0: in my mind, not a memorable story oculus attaches franklin to this device to like channel this power to uh, allow him allow oculus to access all the powers of all the gems ever and it's this machine that has this like net mesh type thing behind it yeah and it just reminds me of uh last volume with devos the devastator um he had a very similar thing where it's like here's my power up um, station and (laughs) it had these like metal tubes with this net behind it
1: (laughs) yeah if i can say one criticism i have of paul ryan is that sometimes he isn't the most innovative with his designs because i think that even you look at oculus's outfit is um it's pretty derivative of other people and even the shape of his helmet not showing his neck like it comes right straight down to his shoulders is the same as devos the devastator and and other characters that we'll see in the future here, uh, including like Psylord, <laughs> when Psylord right. comes around. I think that uh, he's an incredible storyteller, but maybe some of his original designs are not as as original as yeah. they could be. So what I like about this issue is a few things. A lot of the visual language that they develop for this new world, including the speech balloons, how they're all in pink and outlined right. in red, so that uh, we know that these are aliens because they speak in, an, we're, we're supposed to infer that the way they sound is different from the way that earthlings sound
0: right but not only that uh it's mentioned in the last issue very briefly that when he comes through when the uh the wild blood comes through the portal that they have to activate their universal translators
1: yeah for our sake they have to put that in there i think it's also important to remember that in 1991 we are not so far removed from the gulf war and the, the whole conflict between, you know, Iraq and Kuwait and stuff is is on people's minds, is in the news. Operation Desert Storm was not too far before this. And a lot of that is reflected in this story. It's kind of a ripped from the headline story, I think. And you can see, especially by the way that the, the resistance people are dressed with their headdresses and everything like that. Yeah a lot of parallels to the Middle East conflict around this time.
0: Uh, we, we are introduced to Landa, who is Oculus's wife, very sympathetic to the, the plight of a, of a mother who's uh, lost her child or has her, had her child taken away from her. Also, Dangor, who is the aide or the advisor to Oculus, and he's very clearly influencing him in a very particular direction.
1: So Dangor is one of the characters I want you to keep in mind because I think he's one of the characters, I think, that does this story a disservice. And I'll explain that yeah. in the last issue.
0: And then uh, we, we see through this um, very clear contrasts between uh, the Fantastic Four characters and how they react to Sue and Franklin being captured. We have Reed, who is clearly concerned, but doesn't ever talk about it um, because he's too busy trying to think about how he can rescue them. If I pause to think about how upset I am about them being uh, taken, then we're going to lose precious time and th- something worse could happen to them. So it's, I just got to bury myself in my work so that I can get them back. And then we'll deal with that later. And then we have Johnny, who is furious that reed isn't showing any emotion and you know he wants to act now we just got to go blow them up yeah there's a great conversation between them in the next issue where they talk
1: about um what does he say reed just says we're here in the resistance headquarters we have to learn actual facts and proof about what's going on here before we
0: act otherwise we could die and we're no good to them if we're dead yeah who knows like we've got the we got the ability to get the evidence yeah so let's do that And anytime you have the thing being like the peacekeeper and the (laughs) the, the calm, rational one, that's probably a sign that something's gone wrong. And and then we see Sue full of concern, full of uh, like compassion, and that's going to change.
1: The next issue is called uh, Omnipotent is Oculus. Is it this is issue number three sixty four and oculus has now siphoned off enough of Franklin's energy to make him very powerful. Oh, I didn't mention that the scene in the last issue where Franklin is like getting siphoned is just kind of horrific. it's It's him like in extreme pain, yeah. And, you know, it's so different seeing helpless Franklin in this situation than, you know, if Reed were strapped to that thing or or Sue or whatever. Yeah.
0: Paul Ryan does a very good job with the facial expression. He uh, and I guess the the inker very intentionally did not put pupils in his eyes, which just makes it all more creepy looking and and upsetting.
1: Okay. so anyway, back to this story here. Uh, Yeah. So he's he's siphoned off this. I really feel like this is a this is a really good class in story structure. We have the first issue, which is setting this, the stage.
0: And, and it does such a good job of, of building the mystery because nothing is explained.
1: Right. And
0: then the second issue, we're brought into
1: a brand new world. So that one's really all concerned with world building. And then this is the issue where everything comes to a head and the bad guy rises to power, and in the next issue we get the final conflict and the and the resolution. And so it's like it the story is laid out great. Then that's not what I have an issue
0: with with yeah. the story. But but and it's also not until here that we find out the actual backstory, which is that the Wild Blood and Oculus are brothers. Yes,
1: and Oculus has the gift, and the Wild Blood does not.
0: Right and and so in the history of this planet like the the world was devastated through war and they were left like destitute and then when they found that some people had this ability to harness the power of the gems they formed the gem guild and then oculus was the one who had the most power and so then he became like the focus of all of these people and eventually rose to power and took over he was supposed to like terraform the planet or whatever and and do some really good things and fell into the the trap of of oppression
1: and that's something that he's Says throughout this issue and the next one as well is that he is his intentions are to restore the glory of this, of this planet and and care for his subjects. What character does that remind you of? Which Fantastic Four villain is an, a powerful tyrant who? has the guise of wanting to care for his his people but... that would be a mr dr doom <laughs> yes this is my major problem with yeah. oculus is he is a bad version of dr doom and he's even got like armor and stuff he's got the armor he's got the yeah. cape he's got the the lust for power and, and so yeah. it's like well, why aren't we just telling another dr doom story instead of trying to reinvent dr doom and this guy right here and yeah. not doing a great job of it so that's one of my issues here, yeah. and he's—he's he's just not a memorable guy. He's just all no. bravado. He talks well, he's like also any sort of just you know
0: generic dictator. Generic dictator, <laughs> and and you know like a lot of generic dictators, um, he has this forward um, perception of of I want to help the people, but then on page sixty six um at the bottom we see his inner thoughts and he's not actually concerned about the planet like his internal thoughts his personal desire is he wants to be the ruler he wants people to fear him he wants to crush his opposition literally is what he says yeah um he says um they will learn to love and honor me or suffer the fearful consequences so no matter what he says out loud to people and what he thinks he thinks he believes this is truly what he believes So I also think that he's a very, he's very inconsistently written in this one. And I think this is part of it because he's written as this like um, self-absorbed, I want power. But then when he's written as the, I want to do the best for my world, he seems to be written very earnestly like that, but that doesn't match up. Well, the
1: example I want to give of this inconsistency here is a couple pages before Reed and Johnny and Ben go into an underground tunnel. And Oculus says, I could easily obliterate the entire rebel army at a whim. But since they are so thoroughly powerless against me, I prefer to spare them for now. Let them grovel in abject fear, never knowing how or when I shall casually snuff out their worthless lies." It's like... Right. That's uh, page 59. Yeah. That's a very Thanos-type view right there. Absolutely. But he had no problem in the first or in the second issue, the one before this, of killing the one guy in front of him who just was mildly annoying.
0: Right. there's the It was the guard who um, who brought back the wild blood and the stone. But he's like, well, you were supposed to keep it safe in the first place. So psh, goodbye. Yeah. He just killed him right there. And so it's like, if he really wanted to
1: squash like, why is he even, why is he even being like sparing them in the first place? It doesn't make right. sense
0: if we move on to 365 this is called with defeat comes death and here we get our first look back at the uh at the planet earth for a little while and alicia masters meets sharon whom we mentioned before she was cured of her she thing conditioned by dr doom she went with dr doom in issue 350 355 that story run there but we also have uh we also have reed executing his plan to defeat oculus and reed has always been this unquestioned in the fantastic four clearly he's the smartest he's the most strategic he follows these very clear scientific principles that lead them to good outcomes and it's been the case a lot of the time that he doesn't share his plans however all the fantastic four are starting to push back against that right now uh, johnny just because he's um being very emotional he's letting his anger get the better best of him and so he's lashing out at reed for not sharing his plan sue because she has been experiencing this um, distancing in their relationship for some time and he's keeping secrets which is never good in a marriage right it's just that most marriages don't have secrets like what's the plan to defeat the (laughs) supervillain. Yeah, I don't know about your marriage it's a regular bedtime topic that's right (laughs) and then the thing we don't see a lot of that from here but I get the sense that you know he's also kind of concerned that like I just want to check out this plan like you know we should just be hearing this out we should all have a say and we should just make sure this is on the level Um, but then they all just have to trust him because he keeps going there's no time yeah
1: so okay i want you to go to page 85 and in the bottom corner see those two guys there yep that's paul ryan and tom
0: defalco right i knew they looked familiar yeah (laughs) anytime anytime you have especially with paul ryan um you have two people who are seemingly generic on the street people but they have very distinct facial features yeah they are somebody definitely (laughs) because <laughs> you look at the other people in that scene and they're just all like you know generic line drawn noses or whatever yeah totally oh yeah I, w- I told you i wanted to point out the colorist yes this is the first
1: issue with a colorist called gina going and she is um she's a protege of joe roses who was a color who's a colorist for um, x-men at the time and you can see a very, very distinct change and effort in making this look very, very different. Uh, everything has shading. She uses multiple colors on, on nearly everything. The thing now has texture in his rocky hide. He uses They use a different color shade, even like on the edges of all of his rocks.
0: Yeah, and especially when there's some sort of alternative light source, then you start to see um, yep. multiple shades yep. on him yeah In- indicating that these are not all smooth they're like different angles and stuff
1: and for instance now when johnny storm uses his black fire blasts the previous colors would color it all completely yellow yeah but now we have shades of orange going to yellow going to white to give a more intense heat and uh, and show a roundness to things sue's and reed's costumes when they're shown are often multiple shades of blue now instead of just being a solid color blue uh, they really, really pull out all of the stops here. And this is not an easy thing to do in the age before digital coloring. Yeah. It takes a lot more effort in color separation to cut out all of the, uh, the, the different colors here when you're pairing your screens. Um, that's why a lot, you know, with these old comics, it's, a lot of it is just flat colors because that's just faster to do. It takes a lot of time. So the fact that they're putting this time and effort into these books shows us that they want to uh, to bump up the sales because it just
0: looks cooler. It just looks nicer. Yeah. We have a very clear, and again, this might be part of why it's not that memorable, um, deus ex machina here. Yeah. Uh, Reed has had, you know, what, five seconds to examine these gems and realizes how to build a, how, how big did they say it was here? 200 yards high <laughs> square net on a hydraulic arm with covered with all these gems that will create a negative... Uh, power that's equal to oculus's so it will repel him this is kind of what reed does though
1: yeah. he comes in at the last minute with a fancy new contraption that he's built out of nothing yep. <laughs> to save the day kinda, but so. this
0: one just seems even more ridiculous for some reason well part of it is
1: that uh, I mean the scale is the, part of it the scale for sure and in the last issue we found out that the uh, the rebels have been hoarding a ton of these gems right and they have this like vault that looks like uncle scrooge's money bin <laughs> totally yeah. gems. <laughs> and
0: so, so it's just like the Uh, you know, usually read says like hold them off i've got to go to my lab for a bit yeah and we haven't seen that here um he's had very little time and i guess, Well he no, gave them instructions he did give them instructions it. and you know this is you know despite appearances a very advanced civilization but uh yeah. still it just seems very very convenient oh yeah that sure. uh, uh, more so than 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 usual i would say but uh you know the uh, oculus is blasted off to the far ends of the galaxy or whatever and the fantastic four go home there's this one really funny panel at the bottom of uh, not five when they're about to go home they rescue franklin who is uh resting because he's he's injured and, and experienced like physical trauma and so sue is holding uh franklin in her arms yeah. but then reed is holding sue in his arms <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's because she doesn't have the special vest to go back right yeah but that's right. Uh, but still it's pretty funny to look at yeah so we get home and franklin's checked out and he's okay he's got a little ewok oh, yeah. ewok uh plushie He's checked out by a doctor and he's okay. But Reed confides to Ben and Johnny oh. that the stress on his body may have weakened his psionic barriers, which are keeping his powers in check. Right. And so if you recall, those were put in place so that he couldn't access his powers until he was of an age where he could control them properly. Yeah. And even still just maybe to limit them. Um. But uh, that's why he left the
1: power pack team. Right. Because they put those in place. This is kind of a moot point now because they've retconned Franklin's mutant ability Abilities. It to be. I think there was an issue recently where Xavier says, "Oh, sir, you're actually you were never a mutant."
0: They go back and forth quite a bit, but this was in Dan yes. Slott's run, which right. is current. Yeah, right it now. was in uh, it was in the the most recent um, X Men Fantastic Four miniseries. But uh, I think it was called X Four. Oh, that uh, that might be that's Hickman, right? Um, I think I don't think that was Dan Slott. But anyway, no, yeah, it, it is in yeah.
1: this era yeah. when Franklin's a teenager. Yeah, revealed now that you know he was never a mutant. So yeah. <laughs> this yeah whole
0: Thing. And and but I mean who knows, maybe in yeah. a few years we'll go back. But right. Oculus messing with his mind. Yeah, he messes with his mind. And then we get this this uh phrase at the, the sentence at the end, without those bonds, my son could eventually become the most destructive force this universe has ever seen to be continued, end of issue. Yeah. Which is that's pretty clearly foreshadowing here.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> the thing is, they wouldn't have been planning heroes were born at this point.
0: No, I, I I just meant I just meant in terms of um, he's getting his powers back. Oh yeah, yeah they mentioned yeah, the, sure. this is possible, and it could be bad if he does, and so like that that does lead into the rest of the story here. Yeah, but if you think about the the, the specific yeah. wording about that, it yeah. is
1: sort of a foreshadow for specifically for Heroes Reborn. Yeah, but
0: uh, or but, but or, or even if not that, right around Fantastic Four four hundred, uh, we see Fantastic Four attacked by Franklin's alternate future son, uh, Hyperforce. And he's basically got all of Franklin's powers and more. Um, and he threatens to destroy the universe.
1: That's a story for another time. That is a story for another time. Okay. So, okay. What
0: is the name of
1: the Oculus's aide again? What was his name? Dengar. Dengar. That's right. So Dengar, I really feel like he there was a missed opportunity here. Yeah. And I, for the entire time, I was like, okay, this Dengar guy is obviously pulling the strings, influencing yeah. Oculus. He's the
0: guy that like is actually in control here. And and they even mention that he was the, the leader of the gem guild who trained Oculus but nothing happens but nothing happens he, with he, him no like, i was like this guy's got to be like the jafar in
1: aladdin type right, of a character right exactly but he's not and it's like all of this stuff it was i because oculus was such a bland character it was like surely there's got to be something else
0: going on well, here there the- there are <laughs> two missed opportunities here and one is with uh dangar and one is with his wife yeah. dangar you could have had oculus have the you know the realization that he's been duped this whole time and that you know this guy that's been giving advice has not been giving him good advice yeah or you could have had him have this real emotional moment with his wife um was her name landa yeah and and say you know you're right or i should be more compassionate or considerate or that you know she would convince him out of her love or his love for her to to change his mind or something like that but neither of those happens what happens he gets blasted off into space (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and, and we don't know what happens to them after that yeah and actually what does happen to dangar i don't think anything happens to him no last we see him he's kicked in the face by the wild blood and he falls unconscious and that's it so yeah. like does he rise up to power does his wife take charge like we're just sort of left for that um okay so i i looked up to see
1: if oculus returns yeah we're gonna see him again later on in in tom Defalco's run right oh, yeah. here yeah Like once more. Once more. But then it says years later, and this is in Spider-Man Human Torch number five, which I think is a series written by Dan Slott before he was well known for being Spider-Man guy. Oculus stole the adamantium arms of Dr.
0: Octopus becoming Dr. Oculus. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Out of all the the villains to come out of Fantastic Four, there have been some pretty lame ones that have shown up more often than Oculus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: Uh, for the better, I guess. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that he hasn't become a mainstay because they would have had to do some some stuff to change him up a bit, I think. Right. Yeah.
0: So after this issue, we have The Adventures of the Thing number three featuring the Avengers. Well, we don't see the Avengers, but uh, the reason is because um, The Adventures of the Thing one through four actually reprints Marvel two-in-one issues. And so this one reprinted Marvel two-in-one number three. So there's no point in reprinting this whole thing. Right. Because we've already got it somewhere else. In
1: Marvel Epic Collection, Marvel Two and One Epic Collection Volume One. There
0: we go. However, there is a backup story that was included in The Adventures of Thing Number Three. Why is that?
1: The page count to Marvel comics at this time were was much lower. I think they were just seventeen page issues. So when they reprint the issues in a modern day comic, you got to fill out the, that page count somehow with some bonus material of some sort. And I'm not sure what they do in the other issues, but they obviously weren't all new stories or something because they didn't reprint them in this book.
0: Yeah, or maybe they took the opportunity to feature some other characters for cross promotion or something, but it yep, could be. Yeah. But anyway, we have this story here. What, what is it called? Love is a hurtin' Thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yep. the thing is is in reference to the character the thing this is a four-page comic or a four-page story uh one of those pages being a uh like a art page yep a pin-up pin-up and basically this is the thing reminiscing about his entire love life from college all the way at present going through his serious uh relationships and it is chock full of references to previous issues which is kind of nice a lot of yellow I, boxes I, I love it when they do yeah. that <laughs>
1: Yeah. And this one has to be I I like I like the placement of this story in this epic collection, because first of all, it, it comes right between the two story arcs. So it's just kind of a nice little buffer. Yeah. But it's also very, very specific because it talks about Sharon, but, but uh, um, Thing hasn't reconnected with Sharon yet at this point.
0: And it talks about Alicia, and he has not reconnected with Alicia yet because he still yeah. sees her as, as Johnny's wife. So it really does kind of have to fit in
1: right here. There yeah. isn't another place where it would fit continuity-wise. But yeah, it's not really much. Uh, You can like it for the artwork by George Perez uh, because he does that. But other than that it's kind of a not a really standout story. It's a nice bonus
0: feature that's about it. Interestingly, um, it starts off with a picture from a newspaper of Alicia carving a sculpture and um, the the work is called Fantastic. and uh, it says the headline says master's sculpture breaks auction records so she's made a lot of money off of this yeah and it says uh, fantastic sold to Latvian buyer. Oh well who in Latviria has enough money to actually buy a sculpture <laughs> and set a record for for this right. Oh okay, yeah moving on
1: from here. We're going to start the Infinity War tie-in issues. And uh, if you haven't read the Infinity War story, I would actually in- encourage you to
0: read that in conjunction with this because they're, they work really, really well together. They do. Like I said, um, there there are a lot of points that the key points from the Fantastic Four story to the Infinity War story are actually duplicated in the Infinity War. So you, you definitely know where these issues come but they fill in a lot of gaps and they have some great moments that
1: just aren't in the actual the actual mini series. So yeah. uh, if you can track yourself down uh, the trade paperback or the omnibus or the individual issues or you know find it on Marvel Unlimited or something but you definitely want to read each one of these um there are five issues uh, tie-in issues and there are six issues of infinity war so if you read one issue of fantastic four in between each issue of infinity war starting with infinity war and ending with infinity war it'll you'll stay on track it, it's a really really good fit
0: yeah and uh, this is one thing i really like about how they did major crossovers at the time the tie-in issues fit very nicely in between the issues of the major storyline not like in between pages. Sometimes, occasionally, it'd be in between a couple of pages or panels. But often you read one issue of the main story and then you read some tie in issues and then you read another main issue, et cetera. That
1: doesn't actually work out very well with this, especially once you get to the last two issues, because there's a lot of, they kind of run parallel through the entire time but uh but you know you can, you'll figure it out yeah, yeah in general you'll figure it out yeah the first issue is fantastic 4 number 366 is called the enemy within and in this one we are introduced to the whole concept of what's happening with the infinity war eric you explained this at the beginning of this episode but reed is attacked in his lab by an evil version of himself yeah and uh there is a struggle and um Reed
0: ends up succumbing to this doppelganger and the doppelganger assumes his identity. Now, interestingly, before that, we uh, the, the first two pages are of Magus and Thanos, but the first time we see Reed on page three, same science. thing as before. He's doing science. He's doing science. He's building a machine. And the machine is set to monitor brainwaves for two reasons. One, to check uh, Franklin, to check on Franklin because of this whole Oculus thing and his powers may be re But also two, because they were uh, infiltrated... For years by a scroll, and they had no idea, and so this is set to monitor brainwaves and and detect any differences. Yeah, and then Reed's taken over by a doppelganger. Right.
1: Whoa. Yep. It's a convenient little plot yeah. device, but I like
0: what um
1: what Tom DeFalco does here because he directly ties the actions to the previous story. Yeah, he doesn't start fresh. And he doesn't say, oh, this is a tie-in, so it's going to be a separate thing and we'll halt all previous stories and tell this story and then get back on track after this one's done. Or move on to something else, yeah. He actually keeps all of his plot threads going so there are actually a lot of plot threads going on here you can count them all it's like the torch is angry he's at school there's a beginning of a new girlfriend starting here the plot the the seeds are planted for that um there's the ben story with sharon there's the alicia story there's a franklin story there's the payback and devo story And that's all, not including any of the Infinity War stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. a lot of stuff. And what I really like about the way that Tom Defalco does it is he balances everything so well. He doesn't he doesn't give too much time on any one thing, but he gives enough time. That we are still interested and in, invested in these characters, especially if we're reading these, you know, only one issue every month.
0: Yeah, and, and and I don't know if it's that he was given freedom to take the time that he needed um in the issues, right? Like yeah, obviously, if you're going to tell the story in a balanced way like that, you need to take more issues. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely not the case now because um, like some recent Spider-Man, Spider-Man has shifted to like a, a weekly title, and uh the pattern that they've been going with is the story takes place in three issues and then the fourth issue of the story is a double-sized special issue. Huh. And so you have to tell it in that amount of time. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, you know, if it works, I guess. Yeah. As long as it's so, still and, entertaining. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've got um, the angry Johnny, he confronts um, Reed about him, the way he's been conducting business um, and and Reed blows him off and this starts a big fight. And so this is sort of the first um, that we see of the internal fighting going on and that's going to happen quite a bit. Right. And again, the thing is is the one to be the peacemaker and, and stop it and when the thing is the one to stop the, the fighting you know there's something wrong. Yeah. Alicia the Puppet Master. Did you mention that as one of the stories? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got this really ominous looking uh, scene on page 106 where uh, Reed and Sue say goodnight to Franklin and they close the door and Franklin opens his eyes and they're glowing. Yeah. And we see that again in another uh, in another issue or two. Um, I think it's the next issue. Yeah. It might be the next issue.
1: No, it was the end of the previous issue. No,
0: he did not open his eyes at that one. What? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he was he was very asleep on that one. Um, yeah. So uh, right. as, you, as you mentioned, uh, we also have Bridget who is this woman that, uh, that Johnny meets on the ESU campus, and her first impression of him is not great. Uh, we don't see her again until issue 371. Yeah, it's quite a bit after yeah, But uh Infinity But War. they don't make a reference back to this, this meeting, so it's good to keep that in mind. I love this issue because it's so rare to see a good Mr. Fantastic fight. <laughs> yeah and um because he's usually the brains and so usually when and we've we've addressed this before usually when you see him he's stretching for a utilitarian purpose i need to reach that thing over there or take a giant step or something like that but to see him actually coming up with these um innovative ways to fight is really cool and what better way to demonstrate that than to have him fight himself (laughs) yeah because now you get two sides of that totally Yeah, and the fight, a
1: condensed version of this fight is in Infinity War number one. Now, this is something I wanted to bring up because if you are buying or reading only Infinity War... In in Infinity War, you get the scene at the beginning where you get a bunch of doppelganger fights, and you just get the, you know, one or two panel encounters, and the other, the rest of these stories are told in their own books, but you get the story with Wolverine fighting his, and he defeats, Spider-Man fights his, he defeats, he defeats the doppelganger, Iron Iron Man Man. fights his, he doesn't defeat the doppelganger, and then you get Reed, and uh, Reed fighting his, and you don't, you assume that it's Reed Richards uh, winning this battle, it's it's actually they play it up so that it looks like reed saved the day but it's tricking you you don't right. actually really know yeah and so if you are reading infinity war it's a secret that reed has been taken over by doppelganger but if you happen to be also reading fantastic four oh you get an inside scoop you and you get to know yeah. the secret
0: and it's so weird because they do that in infinity war to preserve the reveal at the end of issue three i believe it is two two, issue two. Yeah, yeah the end of issue to beginning of issue 3 um, but in Fantastic Four, you get that information and the the reveal is something else. We yeah. know he's bad, but we don't know what the plan is. And then we get the big plan. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. It,
1: it works both ways. <laughs> it works both ways. It's very cool. I love it. I
0: think it's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, we've got, um, right at the end, we've got an interaction between uh, Devos the Devastator and Paybok the Power Scroll. And uh, last we saw of Devos, he was kicked off of his own ship yeah. um, in an act of, I guess, mercy uh, by the Fantastic Four. And his little life lifeboat boat um, has I guess run out of juice. So he's just sort of sitting there and he goes at last I've been uh, rescued by it looks like a Skrull ship. I as a peacekeeper should kill all Skrulls <laughs> but my honor says I should you know um, thank him first so he doesn't kill him right away. And because of that he finds out that Paybok is not only not a normal Skrull has extra power but also has been defeated by the Fantastic Four as well. Therefore they team up. And it's revealed that Paybach has saved Lija and is in the process of healing her yeah and this is going to be their big secret weapon
1: i w- was actually reading because I lent, I lent you this epic collection i was reading these through the the single issues instead right and uh, the letter pages i don't often read the letter pages of course because i'm not reading single issues anymore but everyone's asking for elijah to come back they she made <laughs> such a good impression in the short time that she was in the, the previous issue uh, that people wanted to see more of her. And so... I know I did. Yeah. And this is the
0: response to that. I, it, I still do. <laughs> yeah. She's a very underused character and she comes up every, you know, 10 years or whatever because of copyright issues or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would like to see her make a more permanent return to the team. Totally. I'm, I am I am team Lijah and Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. She just recently came back in, in
1: Dan Slott's run, right? Yes. And didn't make a huge impression.
0: No. On, well, that's yeah. because Johnny was... Uh, well, was with his quote, soul yeah. <laughs> soulmate at the time and but that ended poorly so yeah i don't know time we'll to bring liger back that's again. right yeah uh, so then we move on to 367 called by reed betrayed and we see that reed has called an assembly of like all the big name heroes at the time um and i say at the time because like strong guys there <laughs> yeah the new warriors yep the new warriors And again, he's being very mysterious about why. So we have that story. Then we have the story of Ben meeting with uh, Sharon and them sort of hashing out how they left things and where their future is. Uh, We've got the puppet master trying to, against his better judgment, um, get Ben and Alicia back together. We have Ben being attacked by his doppelganger. And we have Sue making an interesting revelation about Reed.
1: I love that they used Ben's kind of rocky, pointy, rocky design yeah, as his said, doppelganger. That was a period of time when he was kind of at his lowest. And yeah. And they're they're pulling that back out. I think that seeing that image reflected back at him is more effective than trying to come up with a new, you know, scary looking design. Right,
0: yeah. One thing struck me is really weird about this issue, and that's uh this whole idea of the backup uh brain scanner thing.
1: Oh, I love that. I thought that was such a genius move on Sue's part. Right. I it pulled, pulled it out of nowhere, so it was right. kind of convenient, but
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. well 'cause cause she goes, I stole the plans from reading and and basically forced iron man to make this for me and i was like well well why and she's just like i kind of had a feeling we might need it <laughs> right
1: well i mean but but then if so, one person is going to be in charge of uh, making a device that scans everybody's brains there needs to be another device that scans the brain of the person who right made the first and device. that's <laughs> and that's
0: fine except she has the realization in this issue after the machine had the backups already been made that this could be a problem oh yeah so if that had not been the the case if she had had this realization before and then said i need to get a backup that makes sense but then she has this realization that oh something's wrong with reed maybe he's been taken over good thing we have this backup that i had tony stark made (laughs) yeah she should have checked it yesterday yeah so anyway uh, like that's my only real issue with this plot point here
1: once again we see Defalco tying in the the main story plot lines and themes into this crossover and right. not being forgiving about it at all. right. He, it's right at the beginning and right at the end. Yeah. and he's just it's great. Uh, and And also this is uh, starting, you know, Sue, Sue is getting frustrated with the way she's being treated and and um the fact that
0: that Reed is, you know, not who he says he is, which by the way she doesn't know how long it's been. Well, I mean she she has an idea because the the um the brain scanner went off last issue. Yeah.
1: But but is this another Elijah issue right. and and yeah, and so she's like she has to, she's forcing herself to take matters into her own hands and be more forceful. And this is going to play out in a couple issues mm-hmm. when um, when stuff happens that
0: we'll talk about later. Yeah. One thing that's neat that is not um, really uh, explained well here, but it's also not really explained well, but it's more, uh, more guided in the Infinity War issue, is that Daredevil is able to recognize that Reed is not who he says he is before Sue can tell them. And in, in Infinity War, you see that, you know, he's got his like sonar that helps him hear heartbeats right yeah, yeah um and um it may be that but it may also be that um uh he knows something about the podium so he can sort of sense that there's like this radiation coming from the podium so he actually uh, lashes out first which causes a huge battle because clearly there are some fakes but nobody knows and then we see this really interesting interaction between sue and reed where uh reed is asking for help and sue's just like no <laughs> yeah and then the evil reed is like trying to tear into her at the end there and that's something we don't get in the infinity war
1: so this is one of those issues where you can't read this what this, this the events of this issue don't happen between the events of issue one and right two. they this happen one, at the beginning of three well it happens parallel all of yes. it because it's like the people arrive and in fact what's really amusing to me actually is that a lot of the story is like told in the hallways of the four freedoms plaza And then we check back, and like we see a room, and just everyone's fighting in the room, and it's just like that's all happening over there. But what's happening in the hallway outside? Right. uh, And they and they do things like expand some of the story because we see in Infinity War number two the scene where Johnny comes down to the rooftop, and Ben meets him and brings him inside and shows him all of the heroes are here. Right. But in the Fantastic Four issue, they scan his brain first. Right. Why they didn't scan the brain of everybody walking through the door, I don't understand. (laughs) But, but yeah, they made sure that they. I think it was too late.
0: I think by that time. Everybody was already there oh okay that yeah. could be but yeah but I, I do
1: like how it's still all faithful to infinity war there i didn't find any huge um the only continuity issue is that ron lim draws sue with this short haircut right and uh, and paul ryan draws sue with this shoulder length hair <laughs> so if you're reading both of those at the same time she is in the same scene saying the same thing but has completely different hair so, yeah, this this issue ends with the reveal that there's a huge gamma bomb that the evil Reed has planted and he blows up the top floor of the Four Freedoms Plaza. The number fours all gone. Yeah, totally gone. And that also happens at the end of Infinity War number two. two. So those yeah. ones end at the same place. And that brings us over to Fantastic Four number 368. It's called Day of the Dark Side. Sue has saved the day by using uh, her force field to contain the explosion, which is just actually
0: quite incredible. Yeah. And again, plot point, this is where we start to see uh, Sue really coming forward as the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. In fact, probably one of the most powerful heroes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Johnny takes off and has a battle with um, doppelgangers of himself
0: and the X-Men, specifically
1: the gold Gold. team.
0: Which is kind of unfair because it's one against six.
1: Yeah, but this is a this is an important part, an important plot point because Johnny realizes or he finds out that they aren't even human; they're kind of mindless aliens being controlled. So he can just actually go to town and and fry them all, and not feel guilty about about it at all. Right.
0: He he feels good because he can he can let out his anger that he has.
1: So that actually plays out in Infinity War because he brings that information back to the others for the big fight in the future. Yeah. Uh, also, we get the return of Agatha Harkness, who was called in, in Infinity War because they bring in a bunch of mystics.
0: And she was behind Infinity War all along. Uh. Oh, no, wait.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, through the through the 70s, Agatha Harkness actually stayed with the Fantastic Four to help raise uh, Franklin. Right. She was uh, his governess. Yeah. So nice to see her come back. And I love that, again, we're... Tom DeFalco is using the opportunity of the Infinity War crossover and the fact that they're using her character to further along his storyline story. yeah. with Franklin because she reunites with Franklin, whom she hasn't seen for quite a while, and as soon as they hug, she oh, senses so something inside
0: of him. Like yeah. it's like, oh it's like she is literally just said, I can't move back in with you, I've got stuff going on, and hugs, and then like boom, I've changed my mind.
1: Yeah, there's I, I think I <laughs> know need to be here so that's (laughs) that's pretty like what are they building up to here right no idea it's very very great yeah um this issue is also a foreshadow for what we're going to see in the future right because johnny he doesn't quite go nova but he goes kind of he burns brighter than he ever has in order to defeat all of these
0: x-men doppelgangers all at once yeah he he feels like he's been backed into a corner he has no other choice but to do something like this um he says it's all part of his plan i don't like i don't think that he has actually thought through that plan that much yeah i think he's sort of doing it in the moment uh, and putting on a, a bit of a bravado here but yeah he says like oh no you you've all just come close to me now i can just like you know quote blow up and then you're all gone the only one
1: he doesn't manage to destroy is his own. his own. So I like how this is played out. We meet Reed's Doppelganger in the first part, Thing's Doppelganger in the second part, and now torches
0: Doppelganger in the third part. Right. So that's kind of fun um he arrives back yeah. just in time for them to be teleported away to find the source of uh of all the doppelgangers.
1: There's a great scene in Infinity War number 3 that I wish was in this issue as well because when they all so a bunch of them stay behind. Not everybody goes to the source of the power. Right. We, uh Captain America only brings the most seasoned and powerful uh fighters out of all of them.
0: And and particularly the ones who have some space experience, but not all of them. Yeah. Because I mean, again, uh, strong guys part of that. <laughs> uh, But when they disappear in Infinity
1: War, they disappear and then Speedball comes inside and says, hey, guys, the pizza's here. Oh, hey, where did everybody go? (laughs) Oh, poor Speedball. Yeah. And I just like that, uh, that comedy. Yeah.
0: Also in this issue, we see Thor, who is at this point Eric Masterson. And I think this is the first time we've seen that Thor here in in Fantastic Four. Could be right. Because last time we saw Thor was in the Walt Simonson run, which was still Thor, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a really interesting comment by him here on page 150. He makes this tornado to suck up all the the radioactive debris and stuff like that, which, yeah, Thor does that. But he goes, I actually managed to conjure a giant wind funnel and guide the fallout toward deep space. That ought to do the job. Not too shabby for someone who's always fouling up. And so if you maybe are not a regular Thor reader and you are like maybe you've encountered Thor previously and you're like oh what happened to the big bravado Thor you wouldn't necessarily know like he's actually you know changed
1: (laughs) yeah that scene is played out in Infinity War number three as well but all of that stuff about him following up or you know, there was a comment about, oh man, why why didn't I think of that idea instead of standing here with my mouth open or something like that. Like that is not in Infinity War number three. So because, I mean, there's just so much content they had to pack into those issues. They kind of skip out on a lot of the those character moments,
0: but I'm glad to see it in here. Well, and, and that, again, that makes sense because Fantastic Four is more of a character relationship-driven book. Yeah. And the point of Infinity War is to be the big battle. Yeah, true. <laughs> at the end of this issue, again, we have another uh, parody ad. This one is from Marvel Swimsuit Special Number 1, and it's a weird one. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we've got the Impagizer, which is clearly a play on the Energizer Bunny, but at the same time, uh, we've also got Reed and Sue doing some sort of promo for intercity bank (laughs) and then they're interrupted by the impugizer yeah
1: and the Impogizer is the impossible man. Right. Posing yes. as the Energizer buddy. Yeah, it's great.
0: So the uh, issue 369 is titled With Malice Toward All. What we don't see between the last issue and this issue, which you would get if you're reading uh, The Infinity War, is that the Thanos that is with Magus is actually Thanos's doppelganger. The real Thanos has been working with the Infinity Watch in order to stop Magus, but the heroes don't know this. And the doppelganger looks exactly the same. Right. The only way that we're able to tell the... Them apart is that uh, Thanos takes off uh, one of his gloves in order to be the Infinity Gauntlet again. However, both the Infinity Watch with Thanos arrive at the source of this magical energy at the same time as all the heroes do. So the heroes just seeing Thanos and not knowing who's real and who's not assume that they are not real. And they have a big fight. And then they have a big fight. Also in this, it's important to remember that uh, the purpose of the Shades was to primarily replace the heroes, but also Slightly to corrupt them and uh like cause a lot of doubt to bring out their darker side. We saw the secondary purpose with Johnny primarily, a little bit with Reed, a little bit with the thing, but with Johnny, the main purpose of that, like he didn't even try to like assimilate him in the end. He just took off, but he was like, Oh, I already see that you have you know tapped into your dark yeah. side, so my job's done. Yeah, right, right. And so we see the same kind of thing here with Sue, but not with her doppelganger. She does have a doppelganger, and we'll see that in the next issue yeah
1: but uh just briefly not in not in this one yeah so this is the 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 malice story this is kind of the beginning of sue's transformation and i um malice is a character that was introduced in john burns run that you mentioned earlier yeah and it's it's a it's it's a personality or persona that has been suppressed and sue now is at the point especially with what just happened with franklin her frustration with Reed. And her frustration with Reed and everything that's going on. Like she feels like she needs to step up her own game in the power category because of all of the people that
0: she's around as well. And, and at this point, we don't know if Reed's coming back. We don't know if he's dead or whatever. All we know is he's, he's been replaced. Right. And so Sue needs to step up and be the leader.
1: Yeah, and it's brought forward because Galactus kind of does a weird
0: little uh, mind beam. On
1: yeah, him. a mind beam or something like that. To... He,
0: he, he wants to get all the information that they all have from their experiences so that they can collectively come up with a plan. So he just uses this like special mind probe on all of them. And he goes, uh, this unit is not adequately insulated for the sensitivities of your frail systems and could cause some unforeseen complications. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she's kind of in her mind and she meets up with
1: malice again and they malice is trying to be like no you need to let me out this is or, you, or, you or more like me or like i'm gonna take over or, yeah i'm gonna take yeah. over and so sue absorbs her persona so that she can be more forceful when she needs to and more more assertive ing- assertive yeah, yeah. and uh, malice is like i'm warning you i'm gonna take over and i guess we'll see how that plays out yeah uh, there's also a little reference here to Aaron the rogue watcher Aaron the Ro- I
0: forgot that he was in this
1: so we last saw Aaron the rogue watcher a few volumes ago yep uh at the very end of Steve Englehart's run interestingly also in a doppelganger situation yep yeah. <laughs> uh and now we have the beginnings of a new story that's actually not going to play out until issue 400 like 30 issues it's later. a long <laughs> yeah. it's a
0: long play here a long time and like so we, we see little bits of it throughout this volume yeah but but we won't really see all of it until then. It's pretty amazing because you don't know how long you're going to be a writer
1: on this. And Tom of definitely playing the long game with these stories here. If he's not planning, I don't know if he wasn't planning on it to be to 400 or if he was just like, that's when he got around to finishing that story. But- right. Uh, that's a long time to kind of be planting these seeds
0: Which it might just be when he got around to it. Because, you know, like we were saying, he seems to have this freedom to take his time with the stories to make these intricate storylines. Yeah. But
1: he takes Alicia...
0: And we'll find out soon why he takes Alicia. Yeah. Uh, I, I really find uh, this, uh, what is it, page 186, this one little interlude story with, uh, with Johnny, really funny. He's sort of cruising around Galactus' ship and he spots Psylocke. He's like, oh, she's kind of good looking. I wonder, no, you know, I'm still trying to, I'm still getting over Alicia. I probably yeah. shouldn't jump into anything. And Psylocke has been like reading his mind. He's like, <laughs> oh, should have gone for it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we further on the Elijah story.
0: Yeah. Oh, so so Payback is using the same technology that gave him powers in order to give her powers, right? Because she didn't have powers. No, she was she? just she was just she was just a regular, regular. shape shifting scroll. But then she right. becomes in the next issue, she becomes Elijah the Laser Fist.
1: Yeah. Right. There's some really cool splash pages here. I think Paul does. Uh, he did a really good job with these packed, packed pages with a lot of people fighting. That Those are not easy pages to do, and they are very time-consuming because you got to cram in as many people as possible. But
0: yeah. he does a nice job. By the way, if you're ever not sure in these big fights who the doppelgangers are, they probably are wearing spikes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, final issue. This is Fantastic Four number 370. Final issue in this story arc. Final issue that we're going to talk about today. This one's called Forever Evil. This issue, I think this issue suffers a little bit because it is trying to tell us readers too much about infinity war the story going on because it's assuming we're not reading uh, infinity war yeah there's a lot that goes on in this one it 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 focuses on magus and adam warlock and thanos quite a bit a a way more than the other issues and i think there's just a little bit too much but i mean if they wanted to still tell a cohesive story they kind of had to tell a lot of this i suppose i
0: think this covers all of infinity war number five and maybe a little bit of four and a little bit of six. Yeah, it kind of spans a bunch of those issues uh,
1: because Infinity War number six is where we get the conclusion to the story, of course, and we see a lot of the conclusion in this issue. If I remember correctly, four, right at the end of four is where he gets the Infinity Gauntlet, where Magus gets the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay, no, I just looked it up here. So Infinity War number six starts exactly where Fantastic Four, this issue of Fantastic Four starts. Oops. So with Adam Warlock kind of on his weird crucifix there with Magus holding the Infinity Gauntlet. Right, right. But there's still a lot that they cover. They, they run in parallel. In yeah. fact, there's not a whole lot even that the Fantastic Four do. I mean, there's one scene yeah. where... Sue is invisible and comes across the two Thanoses fighting each other, which is kind of cool. It's an expanded
0: version of the fight they have in infinity war, but then she just hangs around, which is weird. Like she goes, Oh, I should probably just pick one and help them. And then she just sits there watching. Yeah. She, and then she eventually
1: leaves. And that whole fight, if you want to see the, the outcome, that whole fight is told in the pages of infinity watch. Yes. Uh, Warlock and the infinity watch, yeah. uh, a much more elaborate fight in that one. But it's very cool to see Paul Ryan doing it here. Um, The biggest thing is that Sue finds all of the abducted heroes, including Reed, uh, but she's already absorbed malice, so instantly she is acting differently than what reed is expecting and he he's kind of a little shocked
0: yeah and actually um it's a very stark contrast if you compare this reunion of the two of them she rescues reed and how they both react to each other compared to back in 264 on page 67 of this volume yeah where reed rescues sue and the reaction to each other right it's
1: very different very different yeah she's very cold it's like forget you we have other things to worry about and yeah yeah, and then, then yeah, pretty much the rest of the issue is a recap or just a different retelling of what's going on in the rest of Infinity war. Uh, the, the only other thing is at the very end. we have some epilogue pages where we debrief after the battle is finished, and looks like the team's falling apart here. It really does. Johnny definitely, he's already stated that he wants to quit. He's not saying that right now because things are a little tense between Reed and Sue, but he wants out. And now Reed is saying, based on how angry Sue is at him, that he's unfit to lead. Maybe he should be stepping back from Fantastic Four as well. Right,
0: Which is interesting because, I mean, Johnny said this before, the thing has come and gone. Oh, yeah. But
1: a team shakeup is kind of, I think every writer has to do a team shakeup at some point because uh again that's how you tell an interesting a different story is like let's add a different power dynamic into the mix and see how the team reacts to that
0: yeah but reed and sue have always been the core of the team and to see you know the the core of the team being like questioning yes they have gone they 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 left team together but it was a together and b it was temporary is intended to be temporary we're just going to go well you know we're taking care of um Franklin. franklin yeah then the puppet master and thing come in Leisha's been kidnapped and we find we get our first glimpse of Lijah conscious yeah that's going to be good One thing that we see a little bit in the last issue and definitely in this one is that because of her new found aggression, let's say, Sue has started making some very different constructs. Um, Before, it's the force fields, it's the bubbles, it's the columns. And in the last issue, she makes daggers very similar to like um, long shots daggers that he throws or um, the ones from Archangel's wings. And then in this issue, she has these like bullet shaped things with little spikes on them. Yeah. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. But Reed can't see those. So he no, he can't. Be able to see no, he doesn't know. We know. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like the little comment that Johnny makes because Ben confronts him of being being very aggressive. And he says, back off, Ben. It's the 90s. The world is colder, harsher than when we started. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the Fantastic Four should change with the times, which is exactly what they're doing. I think though that that's kind of a commentary though on image, the image influence and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think so too.
0: And so they're like, yeah, we get it. We're 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 adjusting things as well. But you know, (laughs) yeah, Yeah,
1: that's (laughs) well. There we have it. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to leave it at that. And in next week's episode, we will continue on with the second half of this epic collection. Tackling uh, the next several issues of Fantastic Four, uh, we got some good stuff to talk about, yeah, along two. with a couple of clunker annuals. <laughs> yeah, two
0: annuals, and the, at this period of time, the annuals are just like yeah, not no, not great. Not great. And uh, then three seventy one to three seventy six.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, any last comments? Yes. We
0: did miss one more uh, one more of those advertisements. Okay. So I'll just briefly mention that. It was the one Ozone's Eyeglasses for Visionaries uh, from Marvel Swimsuit Special number one as well. Um, this one actually is by Paul Ryan and Bud and it features the Watcher, because he's <laughs> out in space, and his eyes are exposed to all of these, you know, solar radiation and all that cosmic radiation. He needs sunglasses to protect him from that. Oh, yeah. The interesting thing, though, is the actual write-up, it's very clearly critical of our treatment of the environment. It's very like pro-creation care and uh, saying how we uh, through our carelessness have been uh, eating away at the ozone.
1: Yeah, well this was the 90s and that was actually you know, that's when we were first being very aware of UV rays and and that kind of thing. Yeah. And and so at
0: at the time we only really saw it as the ozone layer. And now we recognize that there's much more than just the ozone layer. It's, it's like climate all over the planet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Definitely a sign of the time in the way that it's described here. Yeah. Nice. Okay. There we are. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode. We'll be back next week to uh, finish off these issues. We hope that you are enjoying following along with us and, uh, And uh, yeah, enjoying our conversation, not just on Fantastic Four, but Infinity War. Yeah. It's a big story. Love that one. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.